0: On today's episode of Dr. Momcast, we'll talk about a topic that almost 50% of teenagers say they have experienced in their life bullying and hazing. We'll talk about the signs that your child could be being bullied or hazed and learn some valuable resources. It can be a tough topic to talk about, but we're not afraid because we're real moms talking about real science
1: in our real lives. Everybody, welcome back to Dr. Momcast. I'm Dr. Marla Shapiro here with some of my absolute favorite sports neuropsychology colleagues Dr. Alyssa Wickland, Dr. Beth Perra, Dr. Sonia Mosh, Dr. Summer Ott. And we are here to talk about kids, sports, health, safety. I don't know what else we got on the
2: agenda. Beth, we're going to be talking about bullying and hazing and youth sports. Give parents an idea about what to look for to suggest that may be going on with their kiddo and some resources. Are we talking about mean kids or mean coaches or all of the above? all the above. Beth, what interests you about this as a sports neuropsychologist? It's actually a funny story. I did a lot of traveling nationally to do presentations on sports concussion. In the talking circuit, you meet a lot of people who are doing great work on other health and safety topics relevant to kids. So I was giving a talk to about 1200 football coaches and I came off the stage and I was talking to somebody and he said, Beth, I love the work you do, but man, you concussion people just suck." all the energy from the room. And (laughs) and it was really funny. He's a really good guy. And so I took it in a positive Mm -hmm. way because he said, there's so much focus on concussion that other things that are important and relevant, like Mm. sudden cardiac arrest and heat and hydration and bullying and hazing get no attention. It was this light bulb moment for me. I started thinking wow, we really need to be thinking about these sports in a broader perspective. And that's why I went back and got my master's in public health. And so looking at all of these different sports health issues and understanding how do we educate the community on these topics. So that's where I started becoming interested in this particular topic.
3: Most people... If they give a lecture to 1,200 people, most people are just like, I wonder what reality show I'm going to watch tonight. And I really feel like caramel corn. And I don't know what those housewives are doing. Dr. Piroth just goes and decides to get another graduate degree. (laughs) What is the difference between bullying and hazing?
2: The CDC defines bullying as any unwanted aggressive behaviors by another group that involves observed or perceived power imbalance. Repeated or likely to be repeated. So some kids just saying something mean to you once, eh, okay, that's just a kid being a jerk. But it's repeated, and the issue is really the power imbalance that it makes it bullying. It's not your siblings; <laughs> that's a given, right? Hazing can be considered any act against someone joining or maintaining membership to any organization that's humiliating, intimidating, demeaning, or endangers the health and/or safety of those involved. Hazing is meant, in theory. To unify, you are part of this club, this team. The problem is they're often more harmful than inclusive. I'm really glad that you
4: discussed the definitions because how often are we hearing quit bullying me or comments that are not what you describe with the power differential? And it's mm-hmm. just someone right. being mean, saying something right. disrespectful, and it's often misused. Here, picking on a classmate that's not bullying, that's just mean kid crap.
2: Unless it's repeated. And we all know high school is all about hierarchy, right? The power is defined in a really broad sense. On a sports team, it's often the seniors, the varsity team versus the junior varsity or the freshman, the kid who plays a lot versus the bench warmer. So there is a lot of power differentials, sports in general. And the victim is very
4: fearful. Generally, it's hard for them to speak up because of that power differential and fear of the consequences that may happen if they tell somebody else. Exactly.
2: Particularly in the hazing situation, the problem with hazing is that you are part of a team. You've made it. So you don't want to be the one who complains about hazing or bullying because you don't want to alienate your teammates or get kicked off the team. There's often this suffer silence that mm-hmm. goes on. Kids are very concerned about being left out, and that's a huge power differential right there. And so they're willing to take some shit from teammates and or coaches that is harmful. There's all kinds of sad examples. There's a case where female athletes were required to do sexual acts on other athletes with part of their hazing. And oh so, God. yeah, terrible stuff. And there's like cases of kids being forced to drink or as part of this, we've all done it. This is R- what you do as passage. part of the tea, write a passage. That's one of the problems though, even for adults and coaches, this notion of this is part of our culture everyone's done it. We, we all been through it. Kids just shut up and take it, even though it can be really psychologically damaging. When does it go from just mean kid stuff to
1: hazing? Does there have to be a very explicit, you do this to stay as part of the group or you're out? Or is implication of that sufficient? Implication's enough. Okay. It
2: may not be if you don't do X, you're off the team. Okay. It can be as simple as, Hey, you're one of us now. This is what we do. And adults, coaches may have no awareness of it. A lot of the stories that you unfortunately hear are driven by senior members of teams. I'm the big man on campus now, right? I get to do to you what was done to me. And that's why these things are perpetuated often. And there's no one stepping in. Beth, do we have data on how often this is happening? I'm a neuropsychologist. So of course I have data. (laughs) I will preface this by saying it's an understudied issue because it's unreported by the athletes. Mm-hmm. If you read any of the research, the first mm-hmm. caveat, we don't think we're hitting it all.
0: I think fear of retaliation is a very solid, solid concern, especially Mm -hmm. in the hazing scenarios.
2: Absolutely. And some of that fear of retaliation is legit. These are not unfounded fears by these kids. So it certainly leads to why people don't want to tell on their teammates. There's data on both bullying and hazing. Again, those are different things. So we'll make that distinction. When you're looking at the data on bullying, in particular, we're looking at 12 to 18 year olds, about 35% reports incidents of bullying that's not specific to sports, that's just that age group. Looking at sports specifically is about 15, 20%. That's one in five kids. When it comes to bullying, it's important to look at the categories. So one of them is jealousy of whatever kids are jealous of, relationships, Mm. family money, whatever, competition, and then appearance. Things like weight, height, four eyes, whatever, the easy mark. Sometimes it's revenge is another category. that Somebody did me wrong and now I'm gonna make their life miserable. When it comes to hazing, 47% of US teens in high school report some incidents of hazing, Hmm. 47%, okay? And that was looking at clubs, all groups of kids, with the largest percentage being in sports. It's more common in college than high school, but it's more common in high school than in middle school. This is the one that blew me away 80% of NCAA athletes reported incidents of hazing.
3: Wow.
1: Wow.
2: Like at some point in their career or just yeah. legionally? 42% of that was in high school. So a high percentage is actually at the collegiate level. I wonder if there's not this
4: misconception. You feel like athletes are somewhat protected or could be immune from this. When you think about someone who's being bullied, there's a stereotype, nerd and name calling. The person that is super small, shy, they have no social skills. They're not involved in any kind of clubs. So it can be surprising to learn that athletes are not immune from this. Right. Because we think it's like the diary of a wimpy
3: kid. That's the kid who right. we're talking about, but Beth, you're saying the best
2: of the best. Right. Elite athletes. Both of your points are mm-hmm. well taken. You may have this kid who's popular and a good athlete and you think, oh, he's not being bullied. He's not being hazed. And that may not be the case. Remember, mm-hmm. jealousy was one of those categories. Athletes, a popular kid, the good looking kid, they're not immune to this. I want to add one more statistic because I think it's important. When they studied high school athletes, 25% of them said that their first incident of hazing was actually before the age of 13. So this Mm. stuff is going on even in the younger kids, which is so, I know, right, it's heartbreaking. (laughs) So these are things that parents really need to be aware of.
0: One of the interesting things about bullying is the different forms it comes in. I think that some of the increase is in part because of those forms. For example, you can be bullied physically, verbally, sexually, but that includes social or cyber bullying. That's got to account for some increase in your brain. Absolutely.
1: It'll be interesting to see how the data catches up to that. Are there some sports where you see higher rates?
2: Are there higher rates in girls versus boys? The data that I was aware of showed basketball as being one Mm. of the highest rates of hazing and no explanation was given. So I can't provide Mm -hmm. that. But what was really clear to me is that this was not a sport specific, age specific, sex specific issue. It's a problem and no one is immune to it. It spans across different cultures or races. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely.
3: When you talked about the purpose of bullying versus the purpose of hazing. Hazing is inducting you into this membership. We're inviting you in, but you have to do this thing first. It's meant to be inclusive eventually. Is it considered hazing when newly minted varsity get promoted from JV? If they go and surprise them and pick them up and make them do certain things, but they're not negative. They're not aversive.
0: Like pick them up and they go volunteer at a homeless shelter.
1: Has that ever happened? (laughs) Okay. So I was in a high school club where they did that.
2: Oh, okay. So it happens. Where they wake you up and you go to school in your pajamas and you have to do all kinds of stuff. Here's a component that I forgot to mention. It doesn't matter if the person has consent. They may say to you, you have to do X. And the person agrees because they don't feel they have a choice. They're Mm -hmm. going to be kicked off the team or made fun of. Even if the person consents to it, it can still meet the criteria for a hazing underlying issue is something that's negative to the person if they okay. pick you up and say we're gonna go get ice cream you don't like ice cream but you eat ice cream i guess that's not really harmful right unless yeah. you have a dairy allergy i guess Lactose The i would be hazed by being forced to eat a sundae yeah it's is an it unwanted that's the issue. Unwanted. Is
4: okay. It okay. unwanted feels yeah. bad to the person the victim it can be abusive or it degradates the exactly. person or it's there's an intimidation physically or yeah. sexually abusive so this
1: high school club it was a big deal to get picked they would conspire with your parents wake you up you would go to school in your pajamas and then you would be parading around in school all day in your pajamas it's a sign that you were part of this cool club. So, what you're saying is that negative? Because it is kind of embarrassing, but it's cool if you get chosen to do it. It's a real gray area, it sounds
0: yeah. like. It is. Yeah.
2: And it really is a gray area. So, ultimately, it's about how the person perceives it. If it's something that is detrimental <laughs> and a negative experience to you, then that falls into the category of hazing. One of the interesting things about hazing is that 22% of people said they thought that these hazing rituals were actually. Positive. So we do mm-hmm. want to understand that there are rituals that mm-hmm. people perceive even in retrospect. No, that was a bonding sort of thing. Hazing has this connotation of being negative, but there are these rituals that do create a bonding experience or are inclusionary. But we have higher dropout rates of kids in those sports who are being hazed. Remember, hazing is the idea that you've made the team and now we're doing this for a bonding experience. Higher rates of those kids drop out of the team because the hazing experience was so negative to them. So yeah, so it's backfiring, big it's time. It's backfiring. You're seeing worse performance. Kids drop out, emotional disorders and stress mm-hmm. by what's supposedly an experience supposed to bond together. And again, ultimately
0: it's really about a power. Beth, you made a really important distinction. I've used the word ritual. Ritual versus hazing. That's an interesting way to think about it. If every girl on X team gets picked up and it's at 5 a.m. and you end up at mm-hmm. the candle factory all making candles and picking out scent, That's Mm -hmm. probably more of a ritual
2: than hazing. Absolutely. Also gets to why these things are hard to study because there is, this belief that the things a team does together are a good thing. And there's this notion of I did it and I'm fine, so you can do it. Mm -hmm. And there's this character hardening. There's also this acceptance as this is norm. I was reading this article and it talked about football players saying, we're not ballerinas. This is what we do. Even physical violence toward each other and hazing is accepted. There's this code of silence. This is what we do. Too bad. We're tough. And so... You can't get people to talk about it. This code of silence makes it so hard to study.
3: What advice can we share with parents about what should they be looking for? Are there signs of a kid who's being bullied on a team? What can they do about it?
2: There are actually signs from experts on bullying and hazing. First off, unexplainable injuries. Loss or destruction of clothing, electronics, jewelry. Kids will take things from other kids. So it's funny. My son was at a volleyball dinner last night and someone broke his phone. And my first thought was, are you being bullied? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Did someone take your phone and break it on purpose. He's like, no, mom, someone just dropped it. But so loss or destroyed items is important. Frequent headaches or stomach aches, feeling mm. sick, faking illness. little Ferris danger. Bueller situation. Yes, exactly. But faking illness frequently to get out of being with that group of people. Avoidance. Avoiding doing what their they ordering, can right. for avoidance. Right. Yeah. And they're not doing it in a way of telling you that kid's being an asshole to me. It's mm-hmm. going to tell you I have a stomachache. It changes in eating habits, skipping meals or binge eating. Which one's interesting. Kids may come home really hungry from lunch. Because someone's been taking their lunch. The classic mm-hmm. bullying of someone's taking your lunch money really does happen. Difficulty in mm-hmm. sleeping, nightmares, declining grades, loss of interest in schoolwork, not wanting to go to school, particularly just the school sport, sudden loss of friends, avoidance of social situations, self-destructive behavior such as running away, harming themselves, or talking about suicide.
4: And mm. this is
2: why this topic is so important. Because tragically, we all know stories of children who have taken their own lives because they were bullied. The data really supports that. There's a significant increase rate and in depression, anxiety, eating disorder, suicidal thoughts, and substance use with kids mm. who are bullied and hazed. These kids are looking to substance use as a way of managing their mm-hmm. feelings about this. These are real behaviors that have very real consequences mm. in our kids. This just um, breaks my heart, doesn't it, mamas? Want to so scoop them wanna- up? Yeah. Or call the school and figure it out.
4: It's important to ask your kid too, if this happens, what they want to do, because it may make things worse. What are they comfortable with? And then empower them to be able to also respond to the retaliation Mm -hmm. because it will happen. I think about not just
1: the kids to whom it happens, but the kids that don't speak up or say anything. How do we teach our kids to be good teammates and good friends and to have the cojones, but depending on your ethnicity, to speak up and mm-hmm. say or do something
2: about it. Here's the problem. Our kids don't want to, their position, if you will, on that hierarchy in the sports team or in school. It is really hard to have a child have enough self-confidence to step forward mm-hmm. and stop someone. Most schools now have anti-bullying programs, but I want to talk about, specifically in sports, what resources that parents have. We know about emergency action plans. Those tend to be in regards to brain injury, spinal cord injury, and sudden cardiac arrest. But there are mental health emergency action plans. Do these programs, club teams, everything that your kids are in, do they have an approach to handle mental health crises and issues like bullying and hazing in their ranks. Part of it should be teaching of coaches, team captains, and team leaders. A lot of hazing and bullying goes on outside the view of the coaches outside the view of the adults. So the lack of rooms are one of the most challenging places because people are body conscious. There's appearance. It's a very
3: vulnerable space. It's a
2: very vulnerable space. Mm -hmm. You have to have the captains, leaders of the team, aware of what behavior constitutes bullying or hazing so they can intervene. It's not simply just coaching because for the most part, the coaches are not in the locker rooms, in the back of the bus where these things can happen. What is the definition to the school of bullying and hazing? What they consider an infraction and then what are the repercussions? Are you hearing about people covering it up? If you hear an incident and then you hear the coach knows about it, but is not doing anything. You need to understand what then is your next step above that coach. If the coach
3: is complicit, it's important to understand what is the next step in the process for helping have a dialogue and protect the kid.
2: Exactly. Really well said, Sonia. You can't always look to the coach because the coach may Mm -hmm. be the one doing the hazing, doing the bullying. It's not only a Mm -hmm. child-to-child problem, and they may not see it as problematic, they may mm-hmm. see this. this is just what we do and this is why we win people yeah we're tough we're right? tough exactly. we don't right. have feelings right so yeah understand that you may have to go above that lastly there are resources so positive coaching alliance is a wonderful organization they do yep. fantastic work teaching mm-hmm. coaches about mental health issues <clears throat> and bullying and hazing the u.s center for Sp- safe sport is also a great resource. These are just a couple of examples. As a parent, you do have agency here. You can protect your child without pulling him out of the sport or pulling him out of school. Stopbullying.gov is another
0: good resource. Do you all have Safe to Tell? Is that a national program? Not familiar with it. In Colorado, we have what's called Safe, the number two tell. It is advertised everywhere. In every school, student and athlete can report an incidence of bullying or hazing to an anonymous number. And then the school follows up on that. It's a great mechanism, especially for kids who are
1: afraid of retaliation or parents who aren't sure what to do. That's cool. Do you find that athletic trainers are also good first stops for high school or collegiate athletes for whom that might be a
2: concern or for a parent? Or is it depend on the culture and how embedded they are. I think it's likely both. They have created relationships with these students and often hear things about abuse or neglect or other things that are going on in the Mm. home. So they can be a wonderful source. And they do have training and mental health crisis. I think athletic trainers are likely a very good safe place, safe space for athletes across the country.
1: They are often put in a position of making comments, recommendation statements that are, may not be popular, but are focused on the athlete's best interest. And so I would think this would not be an exception either. I would have to agree. I'm just doing a little bit
3: of Googling, as we say, as the young (laughs) folks say, I was on the interweb and it looks like a lot of times the way to locate resources for your specific kid's school is to go to the school's webpage. They most likely have a department or a person, right, Beth, that would be in charge of taking reports.
2: Absolutely. Unfortunately, bullying and hazing are common. And it's something that schools have been paying attention to more and more. So yes, most schools are going to have somebody that you can report this information to. Mm -hmm. I was recently at a term for my son and it was at a different high school in the back of the stalls in the washroom. They had a QR code and said, if you want to talk to one of our social workers, scan this and send us a message. And you literally
3: don't have to use your phone and call anybody. You don't have to call 911. You don't have to
4: use your
2: words or speak. Yeah. And nobody would know. Mm-hmm. I thought that's brilliant. I wish every school was mm-hmm. doing that.
4: Reporting is so important. You gave us fabulous resources for how to do that. But I think where we fail sometimes is that aftermath that let's discuss how that felt or what are you feeling now that maybe some of the circumstances or dynamics have changed with your team. That social worker thing's awesome because mm-hmm. it just doesn't end the feelings and the identity change or maybe withdraw from a team if that has to happen just because you reported the incident
2: exactly the kid suddenly stops playing yeah to your point it's not just one and done there are consequences to these experiences with kids that we want to make sure that we're addressing we all hear stories about people who did tell about their incidents and nothing happened i think it's important to give people realistic expectations that they may not get the outcome that they truly hope for. It doesn't mean they shouldn't report because the only way we change culture is by letting these things known and there being consequences. That's why we have to support those kids. We have to make sure that Mm -hmm. they're getting counseling or shifting their interest into something else. They may be leaving a sport because of these incidences. Can we then try to turn that interest into different sport or different club or different hobby? That mm-hmm. brings them joy.
3: Not to tie in resilience to everything, but that's kind <laughs> of my jam, people. <laughs> I love it. Wanna tie talk away. About it tie 24/7. away. 24-7. But resilience comes from the field of physics, studying how different materials change when force is applied to it. And some materials are flexible and some materials can be crushed. Even though this kid is going to have to sit in the sock for a little bit isn't it also an opportunity to flip the narrative and say, let's think about how much stronger you're going to feel when you figure out the next thing that you love and you go for it.
2: I think your point, about crushed or growing or reinforcement Mm -hmm. is so key because this is where parents struggle what is just kids being mean to each other you want to toughen up you got to strengthen that kid because the world can be a cruel place okay spending Mm -hmm. time on twitter and you're like the world's a very cruel place yeah but what's crushing that is the difficulty as parents To understand where that line is, what is actually harming our children? What's crushing their spirit? What's crushing their love of the Mm -hmm. sport, their love of school? And what is just normal interactions with mean people? There is no easy answer. Not only that,
1: but as parents, it is our instinct to want to protect and help and cocoon our kids. And it's Mm -hmm. okay to not only let them sit in the suck, but to hold Mm -hmm. their hand and sit there with them and Mm -hmm. communicate. I know this sucks. And I know you're going to get through it and I'll be here with you. Right. And that inoculating them, preventing it, raising everything in their wake is not going to help them to develop yeah. the resilience they need the next time it happens and you're not there. Also, to validate, especially with the bullying and hazing, it's not okay. Right.
0: And
2: understand why you feel this way. And you use the mm-hmm. word develop, Marla. And I think that's important because. One of the benefits of sports is developing harder character, failing, getting up, learning, moving forward, dealing with kids who are giving you a hard time. Again, not to the level of bullying. There is a development process of character and resilience that comes to sports. I don't want the listener to think my kid joins any team. They're going to be right. Right. It's it's too frequent that any of us would like to see, but it's not every sport and every team.
1: Absolutely. And you have that culture of teammates to help inoculate, protect you. Let's look at the prevalence of bullying in general. Upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about social media, not just addictive aspects, but some of the harmful aspects of it too. So it ain't just sports. And to your point, Beth, sports convey with so many other benefits Like so many choices, you got to sift through the wheat and the chaff
4: and focus on what you gain and how to help them grow and develop. Parents that are listening that their children's don't, their children's, wow. Their children, (laughs) their young'uns, all your little little young'uns that don't play sports. This does span. It's your band kid. It's your choir kid. We hear you. We see you. We understand what's happening. It's not just athletes. And guess what? It happens to adults too. there's
2: some fucking asshole bullies out there, people. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) some are correct. The data looks at not only sports, but clubs and other things. So yes, band camp, according to the American Pie movies, it was a lot of fun apparently, but can be bullying as well. We're focusing on sports because we're sports neuropsychologists. But if your kid is in a Spanish club, doesn't necessarily mean that they're... Maybe they're right. being bullied in Spanish. I don't know. This is a universal thing. And we're really just trying to get the parent to understand the signs and open the dialogue with their children. In the end, we want kids to look back and say they had a great experience on the lacrosse team and the soccer team and soccer or whatever. And yes. not to look back and have painful memories. Thank you,
3: Beth, for this enlightening, sometimes painful and tough topic to hear and talk about, but as parents, we all benefit from hearing about how do we keep kids safe in the sports world and in their own social hierarchies. So thank you for sharing your knowledge and your MPH. And if you have any other advanced degrees,
1: the takeaway is not just that sometimes our kids have to sit in the suck. We have to mire and wade through the suck to be able to help them in it, out of it, something like that. Through it. through it, whatever, put a fork in it. Exactly. Until next time, Dr. Momcast, real moms, real science, real life.
4: Good night, bitches. Peace (laughs) out, bitches.